This is Only Slightly Dead Inside, the podcast that puts the fun in functional depression. We are not doctors, trained therapists, or medically licensed in any way. Anyway, hi, I'm Nika. I'm Julianne. So welcome if you've listened to the first I'm, I'm calling it two and a half episodes because that first episode is not like a full episode it's just like a hey yeah i'm calling it three just because it makes me feel slightly more accomplished that's but good this is exciting this is the first one we're recording since we actually soft launched that's true i don't know if it's even that soft a launch it was no. more like it's soft because we haven't taken any like fancy pictures yet yeah no I, well i guess rather than calling it a soft launch more of a, a rollout because we didn't do like a one day here's all the things you know? sure a rollout i enjoy a rollout speaking of we have a website now that we didn't have before slightlydeadpod.com it is the website is important for us because part of doing this podcast is helping people get resources and and learn about things that they maybe didn't know where to start to learn about so the website has a little bit about us and we'll have archives of all the episodes but also has a mental health resources tab that has links to a variety of resources and places that have other resources and more detailed stuff we're not trying to be like a an encyclopedia because like we say at the beginning not experts Nope. Not experts, not doctors. No, but we're uh, super happy to direct you to experts. And doctors. And doctors. Well, that's that that's such a good segue. It is. It's actually a good segue. <laughs> that's a real one. That's a real segue. Now I've ruined it by spending a lot of time talking about the fact that it's a segue, but whatever, here we are. We thought that we would talk a little bit about medication and our experiences with it and our sort of way we found medication that worked for us and all of that with the disclaimer that not everything is going to work for everybody and that's sort of I hate the word journey but I'm going to use it uh, sometimes it's appropriate sometimes it's appropriate even though I really don't like it this entire conversation is coming from a place of incredible privilege and acknowledging that that journey to finding the thing that works for you is going to be very different for everyone and here are just two regular people's experience with that yeah and not everybody needs medication that's also very true you're fine if you feel like you might need it you're fine if you don't it's part of our mission to destigmatize all of this this is something that we feel is important to talk about especially since both of us take medication it's true i think we actually take the same medication do we i think we do what are you on I am on a generic version of Wellbutrin. Hard same. Oh, man. Yeah. I would high five, but there's too much liquid on this table. Um, How did so you get to Wellbutrin? Well, well, Nika, back up a tiny bit to the super basics of medication and how one goes about getting it. Sure. A good place to start is that you hear people use the term psychologist and psychiatrist and therapist pretty interchangeably. And they're not necessarily as interchangeable as their prefixes make them sound. Yeah. I mean, therapy can encompass a lot of different things, but a psychiatrist is somebody who has a medical degree. And is able, therefore, to prescribe medication. Whereas an LCSW, a licensed clinical social worker, is that correct? That sounds right. So an LCSW will be able to be a therapist. uh, Someone within a master's degree or a doctorate will be able to be a therapist, but only someone with an MD or someone who's a nurse practitioner, like my psychiatrist is a nurse practitioner, will be able to prescribe. So the very first time I attempted 
medication was in college and the therapist I was going to at the time recommended somebody to me that I believe was on my insurance and I was put on one thing and I felt like nothing happened. I honestly don't remember how long that kind of experiment was. You do need to give these things a few weeks to sometimes a few months because they take various amount of time both to work and also uh, some of these things have kind of frustrating side effects and some of them will die down after a few weeks, some of those side effects and some of them won't. So the very first medication I went on, I felt like didn't do anything. After a while, I got switched over to something else and that made me feel nothing. And I think that that was a, it's an interesting misconception, I think, about medication and what it's supposed to do. Because on the one hand, I was like, I guess I feel better because I feel nothing. But on the other hand, I feel nothing. That's weird. I'm not having proportional reactions, but all the way in the other direction. There's the having disproportionate reactions because your reactions are so big and feel like so out of whack for what's happening. And then there's the opposite disproportionate reaction in that you're not really having a reaction. So that freaked me out. I felt like a zombie. I think I stayed with that one for a little longer, but I just definitely didn't feel like anything. And I, I didn't think that that was the right choice. Not to jump in and make this about me for a second, but I know that one of the ways that my type of depression manifests is in feeling nothing, like is in... My yeah. husband my husband once made a joke that my drag name should be Anne Hedonia and then I got mad at him. Um but like in a funny way. Plus one Dan. Plus one Dan. Good job. Good job, buddy. And I was like, first of all, you have no right to be more clever when coming up with a drag name than me. So one of the ways that my particular kind of depression manifests is in feeling nothing. So I wouldn't necessarily notice a difference if all I felt was nothing that makes total sense and then there's definitely times when my depression manifests itself that way now but back then in college it was definitely a wilder depression it was bigger highs and bigger lows so being evened out on the one hand felt like an interesting experiment but it definitely didn't feel like a way to live my life and I just stopped taking it which don't do that. No. Everybody. Did you stop taking a medication? I did. Not under the, the mm -hmm. specific instructions of a medical professional? Yeah, I didn't like her. Whoops. And I just didn't go back to her. And I stopped taking it. And I crashed. And it was really bad. Don't do that. Like, oh, really shit. don't do that. No, don't do that. I didn't attempt to find medication again for a few more years. I think I was 24, maybe. So a couple years out of school with the therapist that I had been seeing for a few years, really trusted her implicitly. And she really was very much like, I really do feel that this may be a, a chemical thing that a medication could help with. So many of our issue, everybody's issues are wrapped up in some of it might be chemical. Some of it might be your history. Some of it is, you know, everything mixes together in a funny way. So it's really difficult to say medication is going to help or not or this is going to be able to address this piece but not the rest of it all this stuff kind of helps together mm -hmm. so yeah I went to a person she recommended another interesting note about psychiatrists depending on who you find some of them are a little more technical because they are medical doctors and I remember she said to me he's a little weird but he totally knows what he's talking about I promise 
And I actually really liked this guy, but I totally understood what she was saying. He was not the kind of person that if I was looking for a regular therapist that I would have chosen. I was comfortable talking to him, but it was not, that's just not his bag. He asked the right questions. Some of those questions can be very pointed and difficult to answer. Like, how do you feel? I don't know. I don't know. Do you feel happier than you did before? I, what? What is that? I don't know. I don't know. Those are some of the hardest questions to answer because you're like, I just, I live with me all the time. Mm-hmm. So if my, like, if I'm making progress, I have no idea because it's incremental yeah. and therefore like I live in my body every day. So I have no idea what and it's I, doing. Exactly. I was on a lower dose first and it didn't, wasn't really doing anything. Not in a way that it wasn't, you know, that it was making me feel nothing. It just wasn't really doing anything. Put me on a kind of a higher dose. Still wasn't sure if it was doing anything, but then I wasn't sleeping. That's not good. Not good. However, not sleeping is a fairly common side effect for antidepressants, particularly at the beginning. And I was encouraged to kind of stay with it and see how that went. And I will be honest, I did not sleep well for probably two months, maybe more than that. And I felt really crappy. But I stayed with it anyway. And I started to feel that even if I was tired and not sleeping, it also was making things less difficult in other ways. There was never a moment where I said, oh my God, I feel better. That is a huge misconception about antidepressants. They are not happy pills. They will not make you miraculously feel like a different person. No, I was very disappointed when I was still myself. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry, everybody. That was supposed to be a joke, but it super came out (laughs) not as one. No, it is. I'm like, yep, still me. Shit. (laughs) I feel bad sometimes for the amount of yes anding that we we do. I'm like, yes. And I also feel that way. I don't think that's bad. No, it's true. You, it's you're still gonna be yourself. That's the bad news is you're still gonna be yourself. Which or maybe is, that's the good news if you have higher self esteem. I'm gonna erase that. What the the bad news is yourself. The news uh. is good or bad, you are still gonna be yourself. The thing is that it felt less difficult to do the things that were part of being myself. For example, if I didn't have anything planned on a Saturday getting out of bed and taking a shower and having a bowl of cereal. That's huge. Huge. I cannot even begin to tell you how many weekends of my life I wasted just not having a real reason to get up. And it wasn't that I suddenly felt better after being on meds. It just, I started to notice after a while, like, huh, I didn't have trouble getting out of bed yesterday or the day before. I call it bringing up to zero exactly like it takes less time to get to zero than it does without it I totally agree and that's when I realized that I was on a medication that worked because I felt like myself but it was not so hard to do things and then I also had this revelation where I was like holy fuck is this what it's like for everyone else this is the level everyone else starts at who doesn't have depression, who doesn't feel this way. Like how fucking unfair is this? I know. Then you get kind of mad. So mad. I get mad. How I was just always like, how much more could I accomplish in my life? How much better could I have been feeling? Like everybody else gets to start that. Not everybody else. Obviously knowing now it is not everybody else. A great many others. In that moment, it feels like everybody else gets to start from this point. Fuck that. Damn it. Damn. Damn. The best metaphor, the best way that I think both of us kind of describe it as similar is medication is not going to make you a happier, magical, 
different person. It is about leveling the playing field and bringing you to zero instead of starting at a deficit every day. Yeah. Yeah. The greatest analogy is not starting at a deficit, which for 9 million reasons, I still do a lot, but I guess it's a little bit less of a deficit. For me also, it's it, even if I started a deficit, I know what it feels like to not. That's not just with medication, also with like years of therapy. I think that's one of the biggest benefits is that it's not that I'm not going to have those low lows, but I do have the muscle memory to know what it feels like to not and mm-hmm. to understand that there will be another side. It's sort of a regulator so that when you do have those low lows, you know more about what they mean. And the same thing yeah. with the high highs. And like, how to talk yourself through them. And I'm still working on that, I guess. So I didn't come to medication until later, mostly because I was too afraid to ask, not not in a way that you normally hear about people being afraid to start medication. I wasn't like afraid that it was going to dull my creativity, which is a load of shit, and afraid that but it was... something everybody is afraid of in I the know. artistic field, I feel. But I was more afraid that it made me weak to need help because I have a dance background because I'm a dancer, um, so therefore have a dance background. There's something that's like inherent in people with those kinds of backgrounds. I also had like a classical piano background doing the hard thing in as difficult a way as possible is something to be lauded yep 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 I grew up in ballet and doing the hard thing in the hardest way possible is has some sort of inherent value yeah I mean it just you know it, it it's character building yeah in a way that I realized turns you uh, it turned me into um, a special kind of accommodator whatever I was doing was to serve the whole of something and I had no idea who I was or what I wanted or if I was happy I had no way to regulate my own emotions because if what I was doing was serving something bigger in a positive way then it didn't matter how I felt interesting because the thing I was a part of was was good so therefore I should be good Mm -hmm. I didn't think that making myself like working on myself or making myself better was going to be helpful to anyone but myself. And so it wasn't worth it, which is terrible, but true. So it wasn't until I was like a grown up and having major panic attacks every single day that finally I was like that maybe that's not serving anything, including the whole. And so I went to my GP at the time And told him that this is a thing that was happening. And he was like, wait, what? No, 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 no. So he gave me a prescription for Ativan for like the just in cases. And also because I was such a shell of a human being. I was totally liquefied on the inside and a total shell of a human being. And I had no idea who I was or what I was doing. And I think I was making everyone miserable around me as well. And it was just like a thing to sort of kick my ass back. And I was so afraid because Ativan is like, pretty powerful and has a reputation for being addictive and I never really took it I took a half once in a while because I was so afraid of what it was going to do to me or what it was going to make me feel like that I just got I got too scared and so I didn't do it even if you were going to sort of test to see how it make you feel if you're not in a mood where you need it right then then it doesn't matter what doesn't matter and if you are in the mood when you're when you need it you're so scared of what's going to happen that it's like an even worse spiral right or or like you're in the middle of something and you're like I don't know if I'm going to be able to execute the rest of the day in a safe way 
how is this going to affect your voice, your body, your everything? It's also like if you have to dance with people, mm. then it's just not, I don't know. It's not fair. But it ended up hurting no one but me. So then I um, waited it out a long time until just recently when I tried everything. I still meditate and I still try to write a bunch every day. There were things I was trying to do before getting on medication to sort of make sure and I, because this is just who I am. I am one of those people that like if I ask you for help, it's because I've done everything possible. I think we said that in the last episode. I've done everything possible to try and fix it myself. And I had been in therapy for a long time. And, you know, my therapist brought it up and was like, I just think that you need a little more help from the inside because I see progress that you can make. Like I'm seeing the progress that you can make and I'm seeing the progress that you are making but you're, you're holding yourself back kind of for no reason. My therapist was going to refer me to a couple of psychiatrists, but the one he said the ones I really like and trust don't take insurance, and that was not something that was financially in my, in my picture. So I asked around, and a friend of mine recommended her psychiatrist and said sort of the same thing, like, she's real dry, and she is solely for medication management. So go in with that mindset, and I did and it's a little jarring to sort of balance trying to speak to somebody about the things that are wrong with you that need medication to fix but also be so clinical and know that like you're going to tell somebody enough of your secrets that they can figure out the pill that might work but also not help you with any of the things you've just told them right they don't need as much background as a regular therapist that you speak to regularly would need for what they do right and that's like a little bit it's strange. It's a bit of a mind fuck. So she put me on a lower dose of the Wellbutrin and said, try this out for a few months. But when the weather starts to get colder, let me know, because that's usually when I have to kick it up. Huh. Yeah, I know. It's kind of cool. And she also gave me beta blockers because I was telling her about the white noise in my head and the tunnel vision that I get when I'm trying to focus on something and I end up being able to focus on nothing. And she was like, does this happen X, Y, Z time? You probably also want some beta blockers. So here. Interesting. Um, and I've been taking them more recently. And yeah, it's kind of great. Anyway, so I took the lower dose of the medicine. And then you have no idea how you feel moment to moment. Yeah, the moment to moment is impossible. It's really the long view that helped me figure out whether or not it was quote unquote working. And I didn't even have the sort of ability to look at the long view. And my husband was actually the one that said, no, no. So usually the rain cloud is, I'm my hand is directly over my head. Usually the little rain cloud is right here. And lately the rain cloud has been like slightly to the right and a little farther away. And so that was kind of how I knew it was working. And my therapist also independently echoed my husband's assessment. Assessment's a good word. Yeah. Assessment. And so that's how I knew that it was working starting to work and then the weather got colder and I stayed sad and so she doubled the dose and that's the dose I've been on ever since the end <laughs> for now the end the for end now, question mark not, not yet so you were talking a bit about part of what kept you away from medication was feeling like it was not going to serve anybody but yourself in a way that felt selfish to you and I wanted to go back to that because I think a lot of people feel that way especially if you have low self-esteem, especially if you're not involved in something that's keeping you tethered 
like your job or a particular project or something like that, if you have low self-esteem, to feel like it is worth putting in this effort, and it is effort, it's not just mental effort, it is a physical effort, it's a logistical effort, doing all of this for yourself, I think for a lot of people just feels like way too much. And not in both in a way that feels overwhelming and also in a way that feels selfish and like too much attention on themselves. Or you talked about this in the other in one of our other episodes, the idea that you're trying to excavate around the truth that you have established is is you. And medication is really tries to chip away at some of those ingrained things where you're like, this is just how I am. Because a lot of those things are not how you are. It's how your brain chemistry is making you react in certain ways. But it may not actually be who you are. And that can be very jarring and very scary in terms of looking forward to what medication might, quote unquote, do to you. I think people are afraid of medication. They're afraid it's going to turn them into a zombie. They're afraid it's going to turn them into a different person. They're afraid it's going to kill their creativity or they may even be afraid that it's going to fix things and that they have been wasting time, which is a fear I also realized I had later when I started realizing it was working and then being like, now what? I too have that sort of wasting time fear. And it's not so much a fear as I have to stop myself from getting really angry with myself that I didn't really start doing it sooner yeah because that's the wasting like how much time have I wasted not doing this work yeah I have these conversations with myself all the time and it's on a on the good days I can say this is how long it took me to get here and I am doing the best I can all I can do is move forward from here that's so healthy that's so healthy so healthy I don't think like that May even half the time I try to tell myself to think like that. I tell myself to think like that and it just doesn't come naturally. Then that's okay. The other thing about medication overall is I actually didn't believe that it was a thing that was going to work for me until it worked. That's a big one because uh, I was willing to do it anyway because I'd done everything else. Once I decided after college that I was going to stay like on the planet, on the planet sure. for sure. Not that I was suicidal for long periods of time or anything like that, but you go through these dips yeah, and cycles just, and whatever. But I made a decision than at a point where I was just like, I'm going to stay. Like there's, I have to stay. So now what do I do? And when you get to points where you feel like you've been trying as hard as you possibly can and you're still not getting where you want to go, I was willing to try something else then. And that's why I was willing to try therapy or sorry. Yes, that is why I was willing to try therapy and then years later why I was willing to try medication and then willing to try it again. When I hit points where I am still feeling like I'm in my own way and paralyzing myself either literally or figuratively, I almost get angrier because I feel like I've set myself up for success now and I I'm, I know I'm on meds that work and I know that I go to therapy and I know I do all these things and I know I'm so much better at this, that, and the other thing in my life and I'm in much better shape. So those moments when it gets really rough sometimes are extra disheartening. That's not necessarily directly related to medication, but it's sort of an no. overall But it is that you've, you've set yourself up and done everything allegedly correctly 
and sometimes your your humanness is still there and that can be yeah, frustrating that actually probably sums me up pretty succinctly is i am mad that i'm a human it's it it can be really frustrating to be a human yeah it really gets in the way of a lot of things Oy. <laughs> another interesting note relative to trying medication at the moment in time when I first did it is you could still be denied health insurance for having a variety of pre-existing conditions. Actually, when I first graduated college, the ACA had not been passed yet, so I could not stay on my parents' health insurance pass. It was like eight weeks or something after I graduated. And I got rejected from a variety of independent insurance companies because I had depression and had taken medication in the past. So that was a pre-existing condition. I found one plan that took me one of those like hit by a bus plans that are no longer in existence, but they charged me extra because of the like sort of liability of me being a person with depression. So there's that first pun part. And then years later, when I moved to New York and did not have a full-time job yet, was freelancing, I was able to find insurance, but my medication was outrageously expensive. I want to say it was like $90 a month or something like that. And I did it anyway, but it was making me, it was not something I really could afford, but I decided that I had to just afford it, but it stressed me out to no end. My medication now costs me $10 for three months. So yay. Yay. Yay for that. (laughs) Yay for that. I lost my very good union insurance a couple of years ago so I went on to my husband's health insurance plan which is another thing that I'm very grateful and feel a lot of privilege around that that was an option for me and that that was something that could happen my therapist is only in network for the equity and the sag after plans Um, and so then he and I had to negotiate a rate because all of a sudden it was three times as expensive. And I, that was something that felt as important to me being here as, as the medication that was $90 a month. I mean, it's no joke. When I, was first, when I first moved back to the city and was looking for a therapist and went to somebody who was a friend's therapist, actually, I made the mistake of not asking how much it was going to be ahead Whoops. of time. I knew w- that she didn't take insurance, but I was totally sticker shocked by it. And I kept going for a bit and it was draining my bank account, to be honest, because yeah, I wasn't I bringing in money. And then I stopped going to that person. My therapist now is sliding scale. She also doesn't take insurance, but she's sliding scale, That's which nice. is amazing. If you do look for somebody listeners, lovely people, absolutely ask up front about insurance. If they do not take insurance, ask if they do sliding scale. A lot of people do. You pay based on what you can afford to a point. It's not like you can pay $5, but you know, they have clients who can afford to pay $400 and they have clients who then they can ask to pay much, much, much less than that. It's sort of a microcosm of the way insurance works. Like everybody is sort of contributing to the same pool and things get distributed accordingly. So there's that. What else is happening? Oh, but my psychiatrist, my psychiatrist took my insurance. And so finding medication ended up being like a much more stress-free situation than I thought it was going to be, except for the fact that I was going to like take medication. How do you want to end? How do we want to end? Um, Hey, if you're listening to us and you don't know us, how'd you find us? We would love to know. Please email us. 
slightlydeadpod at gmail.com. Yeah. And like we said, we have a website now, www.slightlydeadpod. Oh, you pulled the www out. Well, I don't know. Sometimes if you don't type it in, it still doesn't go. I don't know. The internet breaks words only slightly dead inside is julian felker and nika lanzaroni our theme song motown mo problems was composed by joel b new and robbie roselle designed our logo find and follow us on all the social medias by searching slightly dead pod we'll be there if you are in crisis or feel like you might be a danger to yourself or someone else turn this off and call the national suicide prevention lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or text the crisis text line at 741-741 someone is always there to hear you and you are worth hearing Mostly just watching the cat who is gonna do something real dumb. Dude. Dude. Oh, Jesus Christ, Chairman! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>